Hello and welcome to the Use Because podcast. Deeper learning from the best business minds to have ever put pen to paper. This week's podcast is based on a book called The Truth About Lying. And it's essentially a way to read body language. And I should start by saying, well, I'm going to say a couple of things about, about this before we get into it. One, this may be a very, this may be a very, very short podcast because uh, there's some stuff to tell you. And then after that, you kind of have to go out and try it yourself. Second thing to tell you is that even with the stuff that I'm about to tell you from this book, The Truth About Lying by Stan, Stan B. Walters is the author's name. Keep in mind that... As human beings, we are terrible at reading body language, at spotting deception, at uh, knowing when somebody's lying, all those kinds of things. We're terrible at it. And that idea or that that focus is kind of built into the techniques that he talks about in this book, The Truth About Lying. The subtitle of the book is How to Spot a Lie and Protect Yourself from Deception. So at the beginning of this book he talks a little bit about what deception is and um you know why people might lie and all that and that's all very well and good but we want to focus on making sure that you're getting the actionable content right that's the the whole point of these podcasts and of the action log and all that stuff is to give you the actionable content so i'm just going to skip straight to the actionable content when it comes to understanding that somebody could possibly be telling you a lie the most important word in that sentence I just said is possibly, right? Somebody is possibly telling you a lie or is possibly feeling under stress about a particular, um, about something that they've said. All you can ever do is kind of have areas of interest that you can probe a little bit deeper. And in the book, he talks about seven keys or seven techniques, if you like, for that you need to run through constantly when it comes to, to looking for deception. Now, the, the book is called The Truth About Lying, but I think really it's more than just about spotting when somebody is lying. It's about really spotting when somebody is under... It's not just lying. It could be when somebody's holding something back as well, which I suppose is a form of lying if they're, they're saying they don't know something and, and really they do. Uh, I guess that is the definition of deception, really, isn't it? Which is what is in the, uh, the subtitle of the book. Anyway, there's seven keys, seven techniques... I've broken them down myself. In, this is why I, when I read this book years ago, uh, I broke it down into what I call the 4-2-1 technique. There's four things that are coming in at you, so four things for you to be aware of. And there are two things going out from you, so two things that, uh, that you're putting into the conversation that you need to be aware of. And then the one is on top, so there's one thing that kind of is, is in the background all the time, uh, which we'll talk about as well. So the 4-2-1 technique, that's my name for it. It's the way I remembered it. Uh, he just talks about seven keys. So the first thing you need to do when you're looking for deception or looking for somebody who's possibly lying to you is to look for what's called their baseline behavior. Now, everyone thinks they know that when when somebody crosses their arms, that means they're lying, or they cross their legs, that means they're lying. Or when somebody will not make eye contact, that means they're lying. Or when somebody touches their nose, they're subconsciously covering their mouth because they know that it's, you know, a, a mistruth that's coming out. All that's bullshit because you don't know, unless unless you've known the person for years and years and years, you might have a sixth sense about when they might be being deceptive. But if you've just met somebody, if you're in a conversation with somebody, whether it's uh, whether you're a journalist talking to a politician, 
whether you are trying to figure something out in your team in work, if you're the leader of that team, you're trying to figure out what happened with a particular project, why it went sideways and so on and so forth. You might not necessarily have a really in-depth relationship with the person that you're, you're trying to get a read on. So maybe they always touch their nose. Maybe they cross their arms because they um, they have a sore back. I don't know, right? Maybe they cross their legs when they're relaxed. Maybe they cross their legs because that's what everybody in their family has always done. That's their, their learned behavior. So the first thing that he talks about in this book is understanding a person's baseline behavior. So what's a, what's a normal behavior for somebody when they are relaxed and they're not talking about the particular area of stress that uh, that could be causing the deception what's their baseline behavior so say for example and i remember i've 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 taught elements of this to people before and i remember i'll, I'll use the example that, that, I, that i've used previously if you think of like a a cop show right so the the guy gets arrested he goes into the room with the table and the chair and there's a two-way mirror and um the guy comes in and he sat into the chair and the detective always says something like, can I get you a cigarette or do you want a drink? Or, you know, they'll ask him something very casual before they get into the deeper questions. And it always just seems like that's the technique that they are uh, that they seem to employ. And it's when I say that, you can't even think of what show I'm talking about. I don't even know what show I'm talking about. But it's all the shows, all the cop shows. They always say, can I get you, can I get you a drink? You want a coffee? You want a cigarette? And I always, it's only in, having read this book, I, I remember thinking back on, I wonder, is that what that is? Is that like just an, a known technique where people want to understand the baseline behavior? They want to understand, well, what way does somebody uh, slouch in a chair? Do they constantly tap their foot? Are they constantly, uh, you know, touching their ear? Whatever it is, what's the thing that they do that's, that, that you can consider to be normal behavior? So that's the first thing you need to do, is you need to understand, you need to observe people when they're in a relaxed state. Now, one thing I was, I was actually gonna say this at the end, but it, I'll just, it, it makes sense to say it now. One of the things that I would, uh, I used to always do it, and I suppose I don't do it as much anymore because there's a pandemic and I haven't left my house in a hundred years. But you know, when you're in a bar or a restaurant and the person you're with goes to the toilet or you know, um, it goes up to the bar or whatever, and you're left sitting there. And the whole idea is, that, is to not take out your phone, right? That's, the, you know, I think it's a real crutch when people take out their phones. I'm not immune to it. But what I try and do is, rather than taking out my phone and scrolling through nonsense, I look around and I try and guess about the people who are sitting around me. I look at maybe two people sitting at the bar um, and I ask myself, oh, what are they, work colleagues? Are they on a first date? Are they siblings? What can I, if I can't hear them, what can I read from their body language that could possibly give me a clue about who they are, um, how well they know each other, how relaxed are they? And one of the things you would look for, especially in couples or in really close friends, is uh, that that rapport where they're, they take a drink at the same time, where they're sitting in similar positions and they're mirroring each other. That kind of thing is, is always a, a dead giveaway. It's something that naturally happens. People fall into that kind of um, taking a sip of a drink at the same time, like I said, or uh, sitting in, in similar positions. But when somebody's in a relaxed state, you can kind of, you can make yourself aware of what their baseline behavior is. If you're kind of at a distance, and it's the way I always used to, and I'm no expert in this, but it's something I always took an interest in was looking at somebody and asking myself, uh, is that their baseline behavior? Are they are they naturally relaxed? Are they constantly um, tapping their foot or you know, cross their arms, all that kind of stuff? Baseline behavior. 
what is it what does it look like and i'll say this repeatedly i've said it lots of times already we are terrible at this as human beings you either tell yourself you're terrible at this and uh, you agree with it or you tell yourself you're amazing at it and you're you're mistaken the truth is somewhere in the middle right where we can we can train ourselves to be pretty good at this uh, and when you know somebody very well like if you've got kids you'll, you'll know straight away when they're lying right you know when they're they're absolutely huge <laughs> they've whatever they're lying about they've done in front of you and you watch them do it and they then they they tell lies about it but uh, if you like a friend or something you know you can usually tell something's just off you might not necessarily be able to put your finger on, on what exactly it is but if it's somebody who you've just met like I said somebody who you're in a sales conversation with or somebody you are managing in your team you might not necessarily have 20 years worth of experience to, to understand their baseline behavior so you have to kind of uh, you have to kind of scan from head to toe like and, and look at kind of what do they look like when they're they're normally relaxed that's the first key what is their baseline behavior the second key then or the second thing you need to look for is probably obviously enough is change in that baseline behavior so they have um so again you're the detective in the uh the interrogation room guy comes in sits in the chair you ask him do you want a cigarette and his foot's tapping and uh, maybe he's drumming his fingers on the table and you slowly start to get into you know the murder that's happened or whatever the thing is and maybe then you'll see some change in his behavior maybe you get to a particular uh question about his alibi or something like that and his uh foot tapping might slow down or if you're in a conversation with a a colleague about you know why a project went sideways maybe their voice gets a little bit higher maybe they are um their eyebrows go up there's there's different things that can happen and all that could possibly be at this point is an area of interest for you. It's not a guarantee of anything. It's not a it's not a definite science. But what you're looking for is change in the baseline behavior. And then what you want to do is you want to almost pull back. And it's almost like the uh, like like the tide or something like going in and out. The pressure is put on, then it's relaxed. It's put on, then it's relaxed. And it's a real it's a real it's a real art form i suppose to, to be able to do that to take these things and and to maintain a conversation while scanning and, and and reading somebody's output so you've got your baseline behavior right what are they like when they're they're naturally in um in their natural environment uh, like like david attenborough um then you're looking for changes in that behavior but to double check those changes what you want to do is you want to put the pressure on and then see normal behavior again put the pressure on see normal behavior again the next thing you're looking for the third thing that you're looking for is clusters of change because according to the author who is the expert that's more significant so using some of the examples that i already said let's say that uh, their normal behavior from what you've read so far their normal behavior is their foot is tapping and uh they're drumming their their fingers on the table and they kind of say um and ah a lot and they kind of are a bit more uh, hesitant in their speech let's say that's normal behavior well then cluster a cluster of change will be possibly the foot slowing down the fingers stop drumming and the speech gets much more clear which you might think it's the opposite it should be the opposite way around when somebody's lying maybe they're stuttering a bit more but who knows you don't know what this person's background is you don't know what this person's story is 
all you can really look for is clusters of change in the baseline behavior. The fourth key then that you're looking for is consistency. So like I said, if you imagine putting the pressure on, asking questions about the areas of interest and pulling back again, like the tide going in and out, putting the pressure on, taking the pressure off, do you see consistent changes in those clusters in the baseline behavior, right? So are you seeing those those things getting, uh, are you seeing something that's kind of giving you a bit more of, of an interest or a bit more of, uh, of clarity, I suppose, in in what the person is saying. Like every time I ask about this particular part of the project that we're working on, something seems to go off in their baseline behavior. One of the things you can look for when people are being deceptive, and actually this isn't in the book, I don't even know, none of the stuff I tell you is in these podcasts is from me. I've read everything somewhere, um, so I, I can't take credit for it. But one of the things I remember reading before, and it makes sense, is that when somebody is being deceptive, they'll they'll bookend their sentences with uh, with commands to believe them so it's things like honestly it had nothing to do with me i swear to god that kind of thing where it's at both ends of the sentence there it's like is, is it a shakespeare quote the lady dots protest too much or something like if they're if they're pushing it too much honestly i don't know anything about why why that happened there's no point looking at me i had absolutely nothing to do with it that kind of thing is like you kind of you, you throw that into the mix if you like of of, of the things you're looking for and um, that could be a a, a consistent change in, in the clusters so keep that in mind as well so just to recap where we are so far you're looking for a uh, for somebody being deceptive look for their baseline behavior what it, what are they like when they're normal and relaxed and um, not feeling under pressure then you're looking for change in that baseline behavior whatever could be anything right so you have to kind of have an open mind to it you're looking for clusters of change that's the third thing and the fourth thing then is you're looking for consistency in those clusters of change right in the baseline behavior now (laughs) we're terrible at uh spotting deception right i cannot stress that enough so the four to one technique continues right so those 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 first four that I went through there, uh, they're four things that are coming from the other person towards you. And again, this is this is why I always call it the four two one technique, which is a crap name, but it's how I remember. There's four things coming from the person that are that are coming out from the person towards me. The next two things are two things that are coming from me towards them, and I have to read those things as well. The first thing you have to be aware of that's Uh, emanating from you if you like are preconceptions what preconceptions do you have about this person like let's say a project goes sideways you're trying to figure out why it went sideways everybody's blaming everybody else if you've already decided somebody is guilty then how well are you going to read their baseline behavior or the changes or the clusters or the consistency the chances are it's going to be colored by your preconceptions so your preconceptions are something that you know it's all well and good to say just leave them at the door but it's easier said than done Sometimes it can be enough to just uh, be aware of them and to ask yourself, am I just assuming that this person is lying? Am I just, is it like a confirmation bias where everything that they say and do, you know, I'm an armchair expert now in in reading body language. So everything they say and do uh, fits into the first four 
keys, right? The first four parts of the technique for reading a person's body language. And you can end up with uh, an incorrect read on a person. So think about your preconceptions if they exist. Think about um, how they could be impacting how you're reading an individual. So that's the first thing that's coming out from you towards the other person. Second one then is contamination. So you are contaminating the crime scene, if you like, right? The crime scene being this other person's mind that you're trying to, to unlock. The contamination is, uh, is that you're a stimulus. Uh, your behaviors are impacting what the other person does. So again, if you're the detective in the, uh, in the interrogation room, if you're screaming and roaring at somebody, it probably would make sense that they are uh you know sweating and um you know pleading that they're innocent you know and bookending their sentences with honestly and it wasn't me and so on and so forth you're contaminating the situation no matter what you do you're you're going to contaminate the situation so you have to almost be as neutral as you can but strip that out of your of how you uh read people so the contamination is um it's probably unavoidable. There's a great thing in, in NLP. I've talked about a neuro-linguistic programming before. I'm not sure I'm 100% behind all of it, but um, there are some interesting takeaways from that. One of the things that they say in that is that you cannot not communicate. If I ask you a question, even if you don't answer, that tells me something. If I ask you a question and uh, no matter what you do, if you don't flinch, if you don't blink, that tells me something. Anyway, that's uh, kind of getting off the point, but you cannot not communicate. And it's the same for you when you're in this conversation. And I'm not saying that you, you're you're looking to solve a murder, but if you're just trying to figure out what somebody is, even if it's your own kids and they're, they're afraid to tell you something and you're looking for what are the areas that are stressing them out? There's something, there's something stressing them out. How do I find out what it is? This kind of technique would work as well, where you think, right, well, when I ask about this particular person in their class, then they seem to get kind of clam up, right? And you kind of know these things naturally, but this, I suppose, just kind of breaks it down into a more um, uh, a more structured approach, I suppose. So, I know I keep recapping, but it's important because I, I realize I'm talking very fast here as well. But first thing you need to do, baseline behavior. Uh, what does a person look like when they are behaving normally? Second thing you're looking for is changes in that baseline behavior when pressure is applied. So when you're asking about the thing that you that you want to ask about, uh, the area of interest. Third thing then is you're looking for clusters of change because if more than one thing changes in their output, um, it's more significant, which is probably fair enough. Fourth thing then is you're looking for consistency. So every time you apply the pressure and take the pressure off, and I should say that when I... When I'm, when I'm saying apply pressure, I mean asking questions about the thing, the the area of interest. Is there consistency in the clusters and in the change of clusters from the baseline behavior? The next thing then, the fifth thing, this is, so that was four, the first four. The next two are two things that you're doing. The next two things are preconceptions and contamination. So the preconceptions are, what have you already decided is true about this person or about their story? Um, and how is that impacting what exactly it is that you're um, focusing on in the conversation? And contamination then, no matter what you do, you're going to be a stimulus to the other person if you're the one asking the questions. A key thing here to avoid the contamination is, if possible, 
have a second person with you who doesn't ask any questions, doesn't write anything down, and they just observe. Ask, ask them at the end of the conversation when the other person's left the room, what do you think? What did you see in that person there? And, don't, and even, even in that conversation, don't lead them. Right, so the your your teammate, your partner, whoever it is, uh, d- don't ask questions like, "What do you think?" I think he was lying when he said this, this, and this. Now all you've done is is led the conversation. Ask open-ended uh, questions that are not weighted one way or the other. Easier said than done, but that's a real skill in itself. So, over to the other person. What do you think? And take the conversation from there. So preconceptions and contamination. The seventh and final key thing to look for or i should say it's not even something to look for it's something to do according to stan walters in his book the truth about lying is to cross check we are terrible at reading human body language so think before drawing conclusions cross check your data cross check continuously it's something that 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 is like goes over the top of the other six uh, key techniques or six parts of the technique is to continuously ask yourself, am I reading that right? Um, was that a change in behavior? Uh, was that a cluster of change and so on? We're terrible at spotting liars, right? If you re- Another couple of things you could possibly do. Um, if you, <laughs> this works well with kids as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> ask somebody to tell the story backwards. Um, generally when people are telling lies, uh, they've rehearsed the story uh, that they've concocted in a particular sequence. So when you ask somebody to tell that story, so so you got home, and what happened before you got home? And what happened before that? They haven't structured the story in reverse order, and you might spot some inconsistencies in the story. It's something that, you know, again, you see in, in cop shows a lot, where they, um, they don't just say, tell me the story again. They'll pick holes in it. And they don't even know necessarily what they're looking for, but they're just looking for some sort of inconsistency. So you said you were there at eight o'clock, but later on you said it was quarter past seven. So which is it? And it, it could be an honest mistake. You can ask me what I did, you know, this day last week. I've no idea. And I could tell you 10 different things because I've no clue what I did. And it might take me a while to actually be able to figure out what the what the truth is. And that's why it's so hard to read people. But it, it's it's a it's not a bad technique. It's, it's, to, it's to not necessarily say to somebody, tell me that story backwards. But to ask them questions about what they've told you in, a, in out of sequence. Because if it is a, an untruth, if there is deception, they will probably only have rehearsed it or told it to themselves in, uh, in chronological order. So if you ask them about it out of order, uh, there's, a, there's a better chance that they could, um, uh, they could trip themselves up. <laughs> this is... Um, th- this is w- one thing, it's, I don't know if this is fair or not. But I'll say it anyway, we'll finish on this. And what are we in? We're in, we're, we're in a 23 minutes, which is fairly quick for me. But we'll finish with this. Uh, if, you, if you want to spot, if you want, if you want to see somebody who's lying all the time, look at politicians. It's amazing. This isn't news to anybody. If you watch a politician when they're asked a yes, no question, and they say, well, I think it's important that we look at all aspects. Just yes or no. Uh, will there be money given to the poor kids next year? Right. <laughs> Well, I think it's important that we... You, you see the way they avoid questions and the way they uh, they answer the question that they wish they were asked rather than um, the question they were actually asked. It's a great way to spot body language. It's a great way to um, 
to understand when people are essentially being deceptive. They're not necessarily being deceptive. I know there's a lot of great politicians out there. But you know you know what I mean when, when they're, they refuse to answer the question and how they go about avoiding answering the question. There's a lot to be learned from how... Uh, how people can kind of take on those traits when they're in a stressful situation where they don't necessarily want to be honest. The final thing I just thought of going into our 25th minute of this podcast, the final thing I just thought of is uh, what's known as the social contract. The social contract is um, essentially, you know, if, if you're at a party and somebody is really, really boring generally we won't put our hand into their face and say that's enough out of you you're really boring i'm not talking to you anymore you'll try and get away from that person but while you're trying to get away from them you'll nod and you'll smile and you'll go and you'll make all the right noises even though you don't want to be anywhere near them that's the social contract the the unwritten rules of society won't let you just put your hand up and go thank you that's enough out of you and then turn your back on them you have to kind of ease your way out of the conversation. But the social, and the social contract, I should say, it's, th- it's the rules that we learn uh, as we're growing up, as we're, as we're interacting with other people. It's, it's, um, it, it's, it's understood, I suppose, like I said, it's the unwritten rules of society. But the social contract generally does not continue down past the, the waist, right? Past the, the, the belt. Look at somebody's feet. So, generally we only ever observe people like from like you know head and shoulders up when we're in conversation with them but the lower you look the less the the less they're going to control what they're doing if you're ever wondering if you're uh boring somebody at a at a at a party uh look at their feet glance down at their feet if their feet are kind of turning away as in like i'd like to get away from this person i'd like to get away let them go right but also then when you're reading a person's uh, behavior um, their feet, lower legs, all that kind of stuff, that'll most likely give them away quicker than their facial expressions will. Because just through living their life, they've they've learned how to control their upper body uh, to not give too much away, but they don't necessarily think about the lower parts of their body. Um, so, like I said, that's why I kind of mentioned, like, watch for the tapping foot and um, uh, the shifting uh, legs and all that kind of stuff. Um, and that's it so we are closing in on 27 minutes now almost and that's it so the truth about lying by stan b walters is um it's a great book as all these books are um but this is a really good one um full of of really good uh techniques for understanding body language we are terrible at it but um you are now i officially uh, certify you as an armchair expert in um spotting deception so Go forth and um, pontificate. Go to usebecause.com forward slash podcast. If this is not where you got the podcast from, go there. Um, within the next four weeks, we have something very, very exciting. Um, we are we got a pretty big grant there a while ago, and we're using it to uh, revamp the website and revamp the, uh, the summaries to go along with the podcasts and the action log where you can actually go and deliberately practice all of this stuff. Um so if you go to usebecause.com forward slash podcast and it doesn't look like much, <laughs> come back. Or go to usebecause.com forward slash subscribe and um, get on the, the newsletter and we will have exclusive content for um, for subscribers as well. So exciting stuff coming down, the, coming down the pipe. As always, thanks for listening and uh, we'll talk to you on the next one. Cheers. Cheers.